Hello, welcome to Boss Woman, a podcast about women, comedy and business. My name's Katie and this is my mum, Karen. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said. Mama said, Mama said, Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, my Mama said. How are you, Mum? I'm alright, I'm actually awake. And so are you. I have to apologise for my dreadful hangover that I did, that I had when we did you our did. interview with Laura Lex. Oh, that was really, really quite terrible. <laughs> I feel awful. And you only got, you went home to have a rest and you, you only got 45, 45 minutes, minutes after which that. Which is yeah. terrible. It was, um, I apologise, Laura. You're wonderful. I'm terrible and no, unprofessional. You're no, you're not. You see the women's guilt again. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, who have we got today, Mum? We have the wonderful friend, uh, Susan Proven, Artistic <laughs> Director of Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, she has, has also been awarded an AO, the yeah. Order of Australia, uh, recognised for distinguished services to the arts through festival leadership. Wonderful. Welcome. Welcome, Susan. <laughs> Thank you. It's so lovely to be here. Uh, tell us how you became Comedy Festival Director. Well, it's a very long story. Yes. <laughs> We've got time. I used to work, when I was at um, completing my arts degree at Melbourne Uni a very long time ago, um, it took me many years because every year I would start doing six subjects or whatever and then I would gradually one by one cancel subjects because I was very busy doing student theatre or Mm -hmm. other things Um, so it took a long time and in that time I got to know a couple of comedy people who were at Melbourne Uni studying and I started working at the Last Laugh Theatre Restaurant which was a in the late 80s kind of a really um important comedy venue in Australia. It was the first, it was groundbreaking. The The guys who ran it, John Pinder and Roger Evans, were quite visionary and they did things like, like they bought out the people from the comic strip, you know, Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders and mm-hmm. all of that gang. Before they were really famous here, they were certainly not known in Australia and were just, you know, beginning their trajectory here mm-hmm. in Britain but John and Roger just had these incredible eyes they so so they brought in incredible people from overseas and I was running around being a waitress and then the night manager there so I got to know all of these people and um so this is before because Mary Tobin and her brother Rick, oh yeah, that was before they yeah, bought it yeah they bought it from John and Roger and right yes yeah, so yeah. I left at that point but so that was quite a few years yes later. yeah mm-hmm. no John and Roger created it yeah. and ran it for years mm-hmm. and years and years mm-hmm. and then um they sold it and so I got to know the Circus Oz people when I was working at The Last Laugh because John and Roger supported Circus Oz's development and first tours and stuff and so I went to work for Circus Oz and stayed there for seven years and travelled the world and wow. um, you were the director then I was the general manager yeah 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 not not so I produced the tours and mm-hmm. did all of that stuff and it was it, an incredible company. Company. I learned a lot in, mm-hmm. at that because when I started at Circus Oz, it was still a collective, like very much. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have these interminable company meetings where everybody had to vote on the bloody artwork for the program cover, and it just oh my used, goodness, oh, yeah, <laughs> it would be insane. <laughs> but um, 
We came to Edinburgh for, I bought Circus Oz to Edinburgh for their first Edinburgh foray back in, I think it was 1987 or something. Mm. I can't remember now, so long ago. Uh, the, no, I do remember The music though. hall at the Assembly Rooms. Yes. And um, my first trip to Edinburgh was actually the year, a few years before that, when I came over when Lost Trios were in Barkers. Oh, yeah. The first Australians to win the Edinburgh Comedy Award, the Perrier. That's right. Because mm. they were mates of mine from The Last Laugh, amazing mm-hmm. Australian comedians. Um, so yeah, so so I don't know. I just did work for Circus Oz for years and years, and travelled the world. That was fun, and then worked at State Theatre Company of South Australia uh, for a year or so, which was also amazing. Working on proper grown-up theatre with all of Australia's best. But that was based in South Australia. That was moved based in that? Adelaide. I moved to Adelaide for just over a How year. How was that? You know, I was there back in those days. The Adelaide Festival was biennial. Now it's annual. Yes. Um, and luckily, I was there for Adelaide Festival year so Mm. it was great I mean it's a really pretty city and it it has that sort of similar vibe to Edinburgh I mean there's no castle Uh, but in that it's a relatively small city so when the festival comes it does have that sense of really being taken over like you really notice the life on the street so it's it's yeah, yeah, the Adelaide Fringe is great and yeah. the Adelaide Arts Festival is great. So I was there um, in a festival year. So it was great. It was amazing. I had you know worked with amazing people and the woman who was my boss, Chris Westwood, she was a great mentor and inspiration and she did a lot for emerging Australian artists. She's been living in the UK for the last 20 or 30 years, but she started, uh, was one of the people who started Belvoir Theatre in... Um, Sydney so she had a big influence on contemporary Australian theatre and I learnt a lot from her but then the um, comedy festival job came up the draw of comedy (laughs) I had a call from Roger Evans who you know was one of the um, last laugh creators and one of my you know my mentors there he rang me. He was on the board of the comedy festival because he and John were instrumental in creating the comedy festival mm-hmm. while they were at the Last Laugh. And Roger rang me up and said, "You should apply for this job." And I was thinking, "Oh no, no, I'm actually having a really good time in Adelaide." Was it the director job that came up? Yeah, it was the yeah, position yeah. that you're in now. Well, in those days, Katie, but it was quite that, small. Then yeah. it was very sure. The comedy yeah. festival was tiny. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's Susan that's made it. Yeah, big. Yeah, so. I didn't. I didn't. I said to Roger, "No, I can't. I can't leave. I've only been here in Adelaide for a year and a bit. I should stay for longer." Blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he hassled and hassled and hassled, and finally I did. Yeah. And and I got luckily got the job. <laughs> it was, it I've was been a, there ever since. Wow. Tori. Tori McBride was my pre. Oh no, she she wasn't my immediate predecessor. She um, John and Roger when they were there, she worked for them, and so she was the she was the first. Director yes, I remember the her well. When I was there. She'd come from the last laugh as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, then there were a few conniptions um, when Tori left. Um, you know, kerfuffles <laughs> <laughs> with funding and various things, and it was sort of quite political and mm. various heads butting and stuff. And so they brought in after Tori left a woman called Margie Hartley, who had very much a marketing background, and that mm. was her great strength and so she kind of pulled it all back in the but it was you that I took over from Margie yeah mm-hmm. and it was you that actually started uh, the town hall which kind of brought the Melbourne yeah. town hall there'd been a couple of gigs in the town hall before I started but I wanted to make it like you know our very own assembly rooms or yeah, yeah that's that's exactly. so it was, we, oh. we turned it into that like turned every nook and cranny into a venue yeah. and then it's been 
reaching out ever since then, mm, finding that's right. more and more. How venues. many venues are there in the town hall now? Uh, in the town hall, there's seven, I think. Mm, yeah, yeah, seven. Yeah. Um, but how many great rooms are there? But, but all over Melbourne, there's a, you yeah. can find a lot, lot more. The problem with, with, with the town hall, we kept finding rooms and turning them into venues, and then the council would see that we'd turn some little storeroom into a venue and go, mm-hmm. oh, that's actually quite a good room. Think, we'll have that for an office, thanks. And then the next year it wouldn't be available. So exactly. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> what happened here? Yeah. Well, we we um, made the, the library bar into a temporary bar. It was actually a library. I remember the first year the library bar here was beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, and, but it was a library where students actually went to study. It was ah, not a bar. And we put yeah. in a temporary bar. And, of course, the, the student union went, oh, that's a good idea, and made it into made a bar. Permanent bar. Permanent bar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's such a great room, though. So what yeah. year did you become director, then? Um, and was that? I've so been doing 90s, it 95? 95, I think, was my first festival. So you must love it. If you're I do love it. I mean, I think one of the things that has been lucky for me is that my job has changed a lot. So when sure. I joined the festival, there were three full-time staff, and now there's wow. a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so really my job has changed a lot over the years. So from that you know, those first couple of years and it was really quite small and like when I started we didn't have the internet. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why <laughs> I asked Mum about that as so, well. So, you know, we didn't We used telephones. Uh, yeah, and faxes. Yeah. And it was just Oh, when I think to now, I just think, oh my God, how, how did we do that? How, how did, 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 did we do it? I don't know either. Well, spreadsheets. I remember there were just massive spreadsheets and cause I remember we had this massive grid Mm-hmm. with all of the shows that were registering and it was an excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. and that had to be handed over to the graphic designers who you know did cut and paste graphic design program because they mm-hmm. didn't you know there wasn't wasn't done on <laughs> Photoshop and all yeah, that yeah yeah it was and I remember once one of those late nights getting the program to bed very early on before there was the internet and um there was a a cut and paste disaster Oh, on no. the spreadsheet <laughs> where uh, um, I've got a feeling it was Kathleen McCarthy who is now one of the big bosses at Token Management mm. <laughs> who, you know, Australia's large, the largest yeah. um, comedy, uh, comedy but Kathleen was um, our office manager and she and I were, it was the middle of the night <clears throat> getting the, everything ready to go to the designers and there was some kind of we cut and paste had to slot something in anyway we basically lost half the spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> Typing it all in, whereas now it's it's so easy, and we we get so grumpy now about oh, it's too slow and yeah. that we had to feed, we had to write like my my staff are constantly coming and saying we want to change this because that's slow and you know there's we have to manually type in this this and this you know we want to get a program yeah. to take that away so you just yeah. have to fill in an automatic job form mm-hmm. or whatever whatever and I just always look at them and go. Just tell what's wrong with you. I know, I know. It's always like chasing, always trying to become more and more efficient and get this program and that program. It's like. And over the years, we have shared so many staff, haven't we? We have. I've had general managers yes. that has gone have gone to you. Yeah, and, you we've know. had people come to you. That's, That's one, right. of the, one of the things I love, and one of the great things that we're lucky uh, with the timing, because the Comedy Festival yeah. is in April and then mm-hmm. Edinburgh in... You know, so we can. So, and so it means that people can fill a, fill a year almost. They work for us, yeah. and often the Adelaide Fringe prior to us, and then come to us, and then... 
and then they can come over here and it almost yeah. fills up their year. Yeah. But no, there's been a lot of a lot of careers made between with the sharing of the people between us and between you yeah. guys. A lot of love affairs. Yes, a lot of, a lot of marriages. A lot <laughs> and of children. children. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that that um, well, I want to just ask before we move on to talk about your family. I wanted to because this is this podcast is about me learning from my mum. So we want to talk about your family and your relationship with your mum. But before I go into that, you mentioned that you had quite a few mentors because mm. I am also, you know, Kath Mainland, would, I would call a mentor to me. And That's a good one. Is there any... Yeah, she's all right, isn't she? <laughs> um, what kind of thing did your, the mentors that you've had passed down to you, do you think? Is it like a oh. sounding board for stuff or did... Yeah, so people like Roger Evans from The Last Laugh, the people I count as my real mentors mm-hmm. were Roger and... Um, Carillo Gantner, who was my first chairman at the mm-hmm. comedy festival, who's the kind of elder statesperson of Australian comedy and a great philanthropist. He comes from the Meyer family and they support. They're very wealthy, but they plough most of their money into Is that supporting the Meyer story. Yes, and but you know they support so much stuff. Yeah, and he was um, our chairman for quite a while. Um, He's done all manner of things. And Chris Westwood at, from State Theatre Company. And that's what, they all taught me, so I guess, different things. Like, um, just, I think, an important thing was just learning to, um, this sounds really wanky, but just <laughs> to, to get over your fear and panic and just give it a give it a go because we mm-hmm. work in showbiz nothing is guaranteed yeah you know none of us we're not selling toilet paper where we know that yeah. people are going to need toilet paper and There's they will buy it, it yeah. you know what what we do we know we i guess it was too about trusting a, your gut feeling and yeah. just and obviously you'll win some you lose some but there are no guarantees but it, but if you were if you were really terrified with every single show that oh no but that's going to cost so much and mm-hmm. oh no we might not sell that many tickets or that might not work or people might not look like that you wouldn't do anything yeah and yeah showbiz is by its nature hugely risky and in the end you've just got to go well i think this is great let's go for it yeah yeah which is such a privilege <laughs> yeah. to be able to do isn't it just to... and you know you wake up in the middle of the night frequently but, yeah, out, which is but what, what you have night. done though is managed to get all these these uh, different, uh, you know, the governments and everything to support you, to support mm. the festival, to well, keep it going. Well, which I've is been amazing. really lucky because I, I get to work with a lot of amazing people and all of the, um, uh, the performers and the agents and all of those people in Australia who are very supportive and do see, because as we've built it, we've done, and that's something that I wanted to do and they had, had by no means have all been my ideas like I've had great staff who've come to me with ideas and you know what about we try and sometimes I go no 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 but then I'll go oh yes that one and so get behind it and then we make it happen and so we've had a lot of development programs and I think that's been really important with like so you think you're funny here things like raw comedy which is our equivalent and things like our deadly funny program and the class clowns program we've done a lot of working with providing workshops going out all over Australia and seeking out people who want to have a go at comedy and nurturing and bringing it up and then mm-hmm. when so when you have those relationships with young comedians from when they're babies and starting out and then eventually they get signed they get an agent and off they go mm-hmm. but they always have that um, great sense of um, care about the comedy festival and of 
Of course, they yeah. remember that support. So, like you know, p- people like Hannah Gadsby, for example, who is at the moment probably the most famous Australian. <laughs> yeah, um, stand up. Yeah, you know, she came back. She was happy to launch our festival program this year. So we had you know one of the most famous famous comedians in the world come and launch our program, and it's yeah. because she came up. She won Raw Comedy, then she came over here, and yeah, and she did. People so remember funny. that stuff. People, yeah. like Josh Thomas yeah. and Ronnie Cheng, and yeah. You know, so many people, and and that's just really lovely. Yeah, you know, it, it and we and we together did, to mention. Tim mentioned. We did yes. to mention. Well, no, <laughs> remember, we went. We created an award, an award because of him, because it was one of those things where, um, our comedy award. Tim was unknown. That's right. Basically, just not enough judges had really seen him early mm-hmm. enough. And this happens. It happens here. It happens everywhere with the huge programs. Some people fall through the cracks for getting a nomination simply because not enough judges saw them in time. It's, but that's always going to happen. Yeah. Um, and remember, you and I, Karen, went. Tim, Tim didn't get a nomination, and we went and saw him. Yes. It was after right. the nominations had come out, and we went and saw him and sort of looked at each other and went, "Oh my God, this is fantastic!" I know. <laughs> we can't not do something <laughs> for him. And he, oh, the rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. So let's wind back to your childhood. Oh. Tell us about your childhood and your mum and dad. And um, My dad was a teacher and um, we lived in the countryside when I was tiny because he was teaching at a little one-person school in the countryside outside. One-person country. school? One-teacher school, I mean. Oh, right. <laughs> One teacher and then... Like a dozen kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, it was in a paddock in a place called Hillside, just outside the, the town, Bairnsdale, where mum grew up and where I was born and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And mum... So you're a country girl? I'm a country girl at heart, yes. And mum was a nurse by profession. She'd always really wanted to be a journalist, in fact. But And in fact, in later life, she went back and did her arts degree and um, majored in art history and spent many, many years doing being a gallery guide at the, uh-huh. at the um, National Gallery of Victoria. But yeah, so a brother and a sister, younger brother and sister, um, we moved down to Melbourne when I was in prep, starting school. Then um, my dad died when I was 11. And so mum pretty much brought us up and she is extraordinary. That's, that, that, uh of course, we have that in common mm. because my dad died at 11 as yeah. well. So we've talked about that, yeah. haven't we? Mm. And so mum, you know, when he died, I think mum had $400 in the bank. Oh, mum. <laughs> yes. Wow. Which, it was a long time ago, but even so. Yeah. And she, had, and she wasn't working and she had three kids to bring up. So um, she went back to nursing and I, I often think she did you don't think of it at the time and now that I'm bringing up my own daughter yeah <laughs> struggling to um <laughs> I think I think you know mum did so much right just because of things things that have obviously somehow been instilled in me and I think it must have been mum yes but I'm not conscious of how she did it mm-hmm. but it's there and I you know I wish or hope that I'm able to do that with my daughter but so far I seem to be distantly failing <laughs> <laughs> but you're very close with your mother yes yeah I am no she's amazing and she's you know we've travelled a lot together oh, she's, she's been uh, over here right she's been over here mm. many times um, to babysit my daughter <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no she's she's great but I so was she quite absent during your teen years then if she was working well, all the no, time or was she, she she wasn't really she always she was always home for dinner so she got really? these nursing jobs she would get up 
and she must have been exhausted when mm. I, well, I look at it now she would get up prepare our school lunches and then chuff off um to nursing but she always got shifts so that she could be home when we got home yeah. from school so occasionally she wasn't but not long after but she was she was always always home and that, yeah. you know made made that work so wow. um that was pretty impressive and I think you know I remember her sitting up really late at night finishing off knitting a jumper so that I had a new jumper to wear for free dress day at school and you know all that stuff although she made the the incredible sacrifices I guess just to make sure that we could do things that we wanted to do even though there wasn't really any spare cash but to us it didn't seem like it didn't seem like there wasn't that we were missing out on anything no no that's great what life lessons would you say she's passed on to you? Uh, Are you like her? I think I am in that I'm very tidy around the home. (laughs) 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 Bit neurotic about that. I don't know, she's a very honest person. She's very... um, She's a person that's always sort of cared about people who have less like a very sympathetic person a very um because where she where she grew up in bensdale mm-hmm. country victoria quite racist quite you know a white farming yeah. community and a lot sure. of her family were very very conservative and with you know with some quite racist views yeah. and mum always just was not that and was very strong in herself to be able to say that's wrong yeah. to the people and, and that's yeah, something that's I've, I think I've always been able to say I don't want to do that or I don't agree with that um, I've been pretty good at not ever really caving to peer pressure on things and I think that that's something that might have come from mum it's mm-hmm. not you know like when yeah, everyone was smoking I just never wanted to smoke how was your relationship with her as you started getting older did you rebel when you were you know 16, I think I did. 17 yes I think I did I I um but not, not hugely. It was kind of weird because I'm thinking about this a lot currently with dealing with my very rebellious, rebellious 15-year-old. I, because of losing my father at 11 and then at the beginning of that rebellious adolescent Time, yeah. phase, we were surrounded by relatives who were saying, don't upset your mother, don't upset your mother. Sure, yeah. She, things are tough. And so I think I was actually quite... I think I, I took out my rebellion a bit on my brother and sister. I think I was a bit mean to them. I remember being mean to them. It's funny, I recently said to... There's one particular incident where I know I made my brother cry before going off to school, and that still haunts me. Yeah. Still haunts me. (laughs) And I talked to him about it recently. Does he remember that? He doesn't remember. Of course he doesn't, yeah. Oh, no. And he and I are really close. Like, we've shared houses together, and we're very close in age. My sister's Mm. younger. She says... She tells me I was mean to her, and I bullied her, and I was awful big sister. We're really close now, of course, Mm -hmm. Um, because she won, because she had babies first. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I remember this incident with my brother so... Like, it hurts me. When I think about it, it actually physically hurts me. Mm. And, yeah, he can't remember it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, I remember being mean to my big brother Uh, as well when I was... Well, maybe about 12, 13. Mm. What did Um, you do to him? Well, I was growing up, and... uh, I used to love Superman comics, you know, the DC Superman yeah. comic. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I'd outgrown all that. But he was going, Oh, the new Superman comic. 
uh, come here, oh, come on, we'll... And I went, don't be silly. I am not interested in that. And I remember him, tears came into his eyes. So, like, I had outgrown him, mm-hmm. you know. I wasn't his best friend's sister, because it was only 14 months apart. Right, yeah, that's really. like my brother and I, yeah. 16 months apart or something, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Close. So yeah, we close. were close as growing up, but yeah. once, once we got to that... You know, teenage. Once you became a teenager, you decided that you hated your older brother. I didn't hate him. I just <laughs> had different interests. No, you were more mature than him. I mean, my mother, because she was emotional, she she did things that were inappropriate. For example, the Beatles came to Edinburgh, and she got one ticket and gave it to my brother, <gasps> and oh, not to me. No. And my my brother had absolutely no interest whatsoever in the Beatles and he went to the concert looked and then left oh no left in the middle finished. and I didn't get to see <laughs> the Beatles oh no that's a tragedy that's awful. definitely a tragedy so um, although I saw the Rolling Stones many times but yeah. not did, the Beatles how did your mum cope with that kind of grief because like you're my mum yeah. became an alcoholic yeah, yeah. Ah, no so mum I think she I was know. stronger, your mother. I think I have these, these... Well, the first thing she did, there was a lot of pressure on her to move back to Bansdale so that she could live with my grandparents and her brother was there running right, a successful yeah. business and her cousins were there and everything. And she resisted that because she knew it was better for us to stay in the city and go to school mm-hmm. in the city. And that, that must have been really hard for because it, <clears> it must have been very tempting for her to say, I'm just going to go back and collapse into the... Yeah. arms of my family and they'll take care of everything mm-hmm. um, and she very firmly did not do that yes. and, it, and it, that was all about us and I yeah. think she also knew too that she might just get taken over yes. yeah she did go back she didn't really want to do that to do that either but I just I was very conscious of her loneliness I remember really? you know it was the late 60s and women much later, she talked to me about how she didn't get invited to dinner parties and stuff just because she, she didn't was a single partner. lady mm-hmm. and people were maybe, I don't know. But I have this image of her sitting in front of the heater at night just um, rubbing, listening to the radio and rubbing um, hand cream. cream into her hands and just daydreaming. And, I, you know, it's a very strong image that I've, yeah. I've got of her. So I think it must have been... And, and she said she just never, never fell in love or never wanted to fall in love with anybody else, ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was in her 30s. Yeah, yeah my mum was 34. Yeah. Yeah, so... But then she went on, and as I said, she went back to uni, and she's now, you know, she's got a wide circle of friends, and yeah. she reads, and she travels. Does she live in Melbourne with you? She lives so. in Melbourne, yeah. And, um, and she's, she's in her very, 80s? She's in her middle 80s, yeah, mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. Um, my brother's living with her at the moment because he lived in China for many, many, many years and he's recently come back and getting things sorted out. Has that been hard for him? It's been hard coming back, yes, because he he knew he couldn't... He was married to her. The marriage broke up and then came back, but he he had work and stuff. But he knew keeping what they call... um, foreign expert visas have become more and more difficult to obtain and keep and he knew he couldn't retire in China and then he eventually had to come back to Australia and so he made the move so yes it's quite it's quite tricky but my sister and I are loving it because he's he's amazing he's just 
really happy to take care of mum and yeah. so oh, that's great. that you know because we all know as our parents get older it's um yeah. juggling all of that stuff and, of at, and at the moment he is um mind you not not that she needs lots of care at the moment but yeah um, she does need more and, but he's doing his and best he's doing it yeah which is yeah. he's missed out on for a while i guess yeah yeah, yeah no it's, absolutely it's, um, so tell us about your relationship with your own daughter well my relationship with my own daughter is quite fraught <laughs> she's just turned 15 she's just turned 15 she's had her 15th edinburgh birthday because every one of her birthdays were in because you really? you miss i missed edinburgh. one edinburgh in order to give birth, birth yeah <laughs> The 15th of August. She was 15 yeah. on... And I remember ringing Edinburgh because people were checking in with me mm. to say, what's happening, what's happening? And the people here knew I'd gone into labour. And mm. I think people in Edinburgh, because of the time, knew that I'd had the baby before people, a lot of people in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so she's she's 15 and she's feisty mm-hmm. um, and very opinionated and madly in love with One Direction. Oh, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> Oh, I thought that was Passino. Oh, no, well, obviously, well, they're long gone, aren't, aren't they? But no, as she keeps saying, they're only they're on hiatus. Oh, okay, <laughs> of course, of course. Hiatus. I can't be so silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's tricky because I'm so Mick, my partner, her dad mm-hmm. is at home. Um, you know, poodling, Mick's a musician. He's a musician, so he poodles around with his bat, you know, with his music, and he goes off and does the odd tour and stuff. But he's mainly at home, mm-hmm. and so he's always been the one to pick her up from school and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, and so I'm a, I'm out a lot, and I'm just I'm realizing now that I need to be around more because, in fact, I'm realizing the teenage years are much more tricky yes. than the baby is and I think I need to be around more. But it's interesting because you say you weren't very rebellious because you have to, had to mm. take care or you, you know, I felt because that, yeah. of your mother. Yeah. Um, so you didn't really go through that stage. I mean no. I, I was very rebellious right. and Katie actually thinks she was rebellious but she wasn't anywhere near as bad as I mm. was and I can say that in front of her now <laughs> obviously yeah. I wouldn't have said that no why well, I do remember her saying to me I'd say oh it was really hard when I was and you went you went yeah yeah well that's just your life isn't it you know like <laughs> you absolutely I was a, what, what she's saying is I was a tricky teenager so I know what you were going through no, but for me I remember being very angry at Karen, especially during August. Right, when, you, of, when she was around, when she yeah. just, I never saw her, and I was just like, I, yeah, I just hated August, dreaded it yeah. every year. So I told, like, yeah, that's kind of a hard thing to deal with, and I'm doing it now, of putting everything into a festival and not having any time for your personal yeah. life. And I hope that that would change if I had a family, but I think that's really hard. It's really hard, because I'm the... Well, I'm the breadwinner. Yeah, family, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, because Mick doesn't really earn much money. Yeah, and so I support the family, and mm. you know, sometimes I do think I think, am I being so? Am I being selfish? These are things you grapple with. Am I yeah. being selfish by continuing to earn our living? Yeah. and pay for our lives by doing a job I love. Yeah. or should I give that up and do a job that would shit me, mm-hmm. but where I would be home more? Have some and time, I think, yeah. No, I can't. No, exactly, and that's exactly but my Karen. You are in the the position now where you are the boss and um, you have made the festival 
the comedy festival what it is and it's brilliant and you mm. care etc but you can delegate a bit more now and yes. take a little time out I am trying to delegate more mm-hmm. and that does mean hiring do. more staff mm. which costs more money yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I have been trying to delegate more yeah we're trying to increase the the people around and, that and, can and take on bits. sure it's about your priorities isn't mm-hmm. it that you take time out between three and six or whatever yeah. it is, you know, and do mm. while she's at school or yeah. while she's... Yes, I need, I need to do that. And just even like here, like today I have very... Because Mads and Mick are going home on Saturday, on Sunday and Mads is getting a bit upset about going home because she doesn't want to go home and go back to school. And, mm, um, so I've, you know, carved out some hours here. And, you know, it's just that type of thing. Oh, my God, no, but I need to see... Because especially in the last week of The Fringe, it's like I've got, got like, go. four shows for every single time slot and trying to work out which ones to see. And yeah. I think, no, I actually have to carve out three hours to go and take my daughter shopping and have some dinner with her. Exactly, you know, yeah, yeah. I have to do that. Yeah. And, I mean, I want to do that, but, you know, of it's course. that... It's that, always that, that push-pull. Because she is studying... I, I'm seeing now, as she's a teenager what I didn't when she was littler um, that she is a bit shitty that I'm not Mm. there all the time and I don't hear things that I You know I'm just saying when she gets into her 20s she will get over it but it's still not that doesn't help you Mm. now because Mm. it's so Mm. it is upsetting Mm. it's upsetting for you and Mm. it's upsetting for her and she's not really got into going to shows yet no, she does go to shows, but not... You see, I think this is part of her rebel, rebellion that she doesn't really... I don't know. But, but she loves certain comedians and we always go and see them. Yeah. And, and these are people that she's grown up with and know mm-hmm. people who've always made a fuss of her. So, like, for example, David O'Doherty yeah. and Paul Foote. Um, you know, there are people, you know, Sammy J. She's always had amazing comedians come to her birthday party and yeah. the, and these people have made fusses of her and she does love that and she loves like she's been a mad Paul Foot fan since mm-hmm. she was like 10 and <laughs> really Paul Foot he's a bit weird I know exactly <laughs> but I think she was first attracted by his weird physicality yeah. and he sits with her for hours because he often comes over to Australia for holidays because he just likes it and, yeah. and they sit and draw and he just makes her laugh and, and David O'Doherty put a Madeline in his last kid's book and she was oh. so chuffed that that oh, was lovely, so yeah. so lovely. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh lovely, yeah. Fantastic. so she does there she does love to go to and, and Rich Hall, you know, and she's got lots of comedy mates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Simon Munnery's children are all Madeline's age and they're close friends. Yeah, Rich, Rich Hall's, Hall's daughter. daughter Dixie she and Mads have been friends since they were born. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I got to know her a little better Kilkenny. Uh, Kilkenny. Right. And is she a year she and Mads, they're just six months apart. So right. Dixie is, she'll turn, Mads has just turned 15 and Dixie will be 15 in February. Mm. Um, she reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, that uh, Jennifer Saunders programme, you know, with the daughter. Oh, yes. Yeah. She, you know, oh, yeah. mm, dad, yeah. you yeah. know. <laughs> and she's uh, very uh, sensible, you know. It's funny. When Dixie and Mads were oh, a few years ago, I remember sitting up, we were around at their place in London and we were in the kitchen drinking cups of tea and whatever and Dixie and Mads had been in the lounge room and they came out and said, everyone's got to come in, we're, we've, we're doing a comedy show. And sort of Rich looked at me as though to say, how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we went Good in impersonation. And, <laughs> yeah. and they, we all had to sit on the couch. There must have been about nine, I think. 
and they had got out all their Barbies. There were like hundreds of them, hundreds of bloody Barbies. <laughs> and we had sat and there was this comedy show yeah. with them, Dixie and Mads, that doing too the cute. Barbies and. And there was all this Paddington. Were they bear. the comics? They were the comics. Yeah. And there was there was a lot of Paddington Bear based material, and we were thinking, well, that, that's a niche. No one else is doing Paddington <laughs> <laughs> material. And was it funny? Oh, it was hilarious because it was there. Yeah, right? exactly. To exactly. us the parents, might have been hilarious yeah. to anyone else. <laughs> um, oh, so, lovely. what I would like to find out from you, Susan, is a bit more about your process. So, obviously, you come to Edinburgh every year, mm. and how does it work? You're coming to find shows to take to Melbourne, yeah. or yeah, and do you have a certain well, the, kind of quota shows that you're looking for? Or? It's um, compromised mainly by venues, sure. you know, the number of venues, you know, where we can fit stuff in. And also by, you can't just go mad and book absolutely everything because you there's, like a, there's a finite audience. So, mm-hmm. so the, my process is... Uh, seeing loads of shows and because I come every year and see loads of shows you see people over a few years and and you know they've got something and you really like them but this is not the show and then maybe this is not the show but then three years later that will be the show for example and then other people you come in and you see them the very first time and go oh my god where do they come from they're amazing bring them to Australia immediately prior prior to all that you go to Montreal go to Montreal yeah so so your your July New August is mm. New York, Montreal, yeah, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, isn't it? Yeah, and that's where you find most of your because you you've always taken us Americans over, mm. haven't you? Yeah. As well as yeah. so you have a good British contingent and American. Yes, and so Edinburgh's obviously good for seeing full one hour shows and that that's the pattern of our festival too mm-hmm. whereas Montreal's always been a lot more showcasey although they're doing a lot more one hour shows now um, so and and I find it difficult a lot of Americans won't come to Australia for four weeks dealing with British the Irish people they've all grown up going coming to Edinburgh so they all know and they yeah, want they want to go to a festival and do a month they know that's how it works yeah um, happy with that and and, you know apart from the big stars where they're busy and stuff and then you might bring them in for a few shows and a national tour and then off they go Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whereas the americans go oh you know i can't take my client dealing with the agents is just oh my god yes Um, my client can't go to australia for four weeks and you know for that amount of money so you wind up often don't get all the people that you want because they're not they're not they're not interested they their eyes on the prize of being the next Jerry Seinfeld or whatever you know that's they don't need to come to Australia but the ones who do are the ones who are genuinely curious about the world and are into it and will come and we get you know a lot of well there's many but they won't often come for longer than two weeks Mm -hmm. but there's many um, (coughs) maybe more British that that come that come year on year and and and, build and, and, and meet girls and get married mm. Ross Noble's a very good example of that Al Murray <laughs> Simon Munnery Sarah Kendall we could have our big list of the we call it the comedy festival um, Melbourne International Comedy Festival and dating agency yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so I look at, look at stuff we, we have in order to address the fact that it's really hard to get Americans to come for longer than a week or two weeks sure. and you can't build audiences for someone who's unknown in that time yeah. we do a couple of showcases so we do yes. the headliners and it enables us to bring people over and they grumble about 
um, only coming and doing 20 minute sets but we say well look it, no one knows who you are so unless you're going to come for longer we can't do this whereas so our headliner series it's the brand that sells the show people come yeah. because they know it's going to have a really interesting bunch of Americans yeah, yeah. that they don't know and then they get to know those people and then we can bring them back to do a solo show Once or yeah. sometimes they'll do you know sometimes we'll program one solo show for them while they're doing the, the showcase mm-hmm. set but it's you know it's it's tricky there are there are there are so so many there's always way more people that we want to bring than we can possibly fit it's always yeah. really hard but your your festival is completely curated it's not not the australian no it's completely open for australians and new zealanders right we do oh, want that yeah we want it's right. their festival it's taxpayers money contributing yeah. i think it should be absolutely sure. and mm-hmm. we are there to support them the way it works here mm-hmm. um yeah and we run all the developmental programs and yeah. Um, we make a lot of television, do the galas, yeah. um, the debate, the, the um, series. We've always tried to do that here and it's mm-hmm. never, ever worked yet. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's yeah. because you, you have two big opening galas and they go yeah. on uh, television, don't Straight they? Away, and, it, yeah. mm-hmm. and it helps. Bring oh, it really helps. There's a, there's, as soon as the first gala goes to air, there's an immediate blip on ticket sales. Yeah. Well, it's really scary because we turn them around in three or four days. So it's a so really, it's really stressful, a really stressful intense, editing yeah. process. But we work with great people who've done it for a long time. And mm-hmm. yeah. um, it, people in Australia wait for the galas now and they switch on and watch and then they and start. And choose who they want to see. Yeah. 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 And that, they watch that, but then once they're in and then they, they'll go and see other things, other people yeah. who are Because casting the galas is obviously very fraught. Yes, I can imagine. Getting, oh, gala, yeah, getting a gala spot is very I heard that sought after. Ed yeah. Knight got... Ed Knight, who is real yes. name Ed Day, yeah. and he was in the final, so you think it's funny, only two years yeah. ago, I think. Or, and he's doing brilliantly yeah, he is. and he, he well. had the most fantastic time in Australia yeah. you know I mean the way you all treat them you know that they get a little um, apartment yeah. and you know it's it's fantastic oh, and, he, and he did a gala spot yeah he did do a gala spot he did a, he did a great one I mean that's one of the things that's interesting working with the Americans coming over because a lot of those that we bring over they get they actually haven't got a really good taped spot and mm-hmm. one of the things that which just seems so weird to me yeah one of the things that they do find of value coming is that they get a really nice recorded mm-hmm. set yeah. well you see it on the internet all the time yeah, if you google go, a comic yeah. you know often it's it's a gala spot mm-hmm. from yeah melbourne because we, we put a lot into those production values mm-hmm. make them yeah look really really nice they do look mm. really lovely yeah how do you cope with Hundreds and hundreds of artists and agents moaning at you. To, <laughs> no, trying to get you to come and see their shows. Everyone wants. Really Susan hard. coming. Is Susan coming. Is Susan it's coming. really, really hard. I have. I don't know how you I do have, it. I do have hundreds of emails, and it's, and I just can't mm. go to everything. And yeah. you know, there are people that I want to go to. There are people that I do feel that I need to go to for mm-hmm. various um, reasons, and there are people that I just, I just know I'm not. And I think a lot of the agents know that they are getting, I understand that they're getting pressured by their clients Mm -hmm. to get me to get to their show. And I really understand that. So I I make sure that I see a really broad range of shows from all of the major agencies so that I might not see all of their clients, but I have given it a red hot (laughs) bone. Exactly. But that's the thing. I have never known 
anyone mm. who goes to see as many shows as you do. No, I do. And one of the things that really shits me is that I, I really do put the hard yards in and I do see at least 100 shows every year. Yeah. And the same when I'm, you know, I run around the clubs in New York and Los Angeles. I just see as many people as I can and then I go to Montreal and, and then we bring people over to Australia and we introduce them to Australian audiences and there are a couple of commercial presenters who shall remain nameless. Um, <laughs> who kind of let us do all the work and then when they're, they're famous then they just swan in and yeah well we know what's, what that's like <laughs> we know exactly what that's like it's yeah. really most I have to say most of the Australian producers do not do that we've, we've got a great relationship with you know most of them if um they will come to us and say because sometimes the agents over here will because they're working with these people on other projects they'll say mm. oh so and so wants to come back to Australia and if they know like for example Live Nation um, whatever they will come to me and say oh so and so this agent wants us to bring so and so to Australia but I know that you bought them out first and so we'll collaborate and that's great yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. as it should couple be couple who are not so polite yes yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly but that's as it should be you know because <laughs> it's it's that's the whole reward, isn't it, of of finding mm. these... Well, you lose money the first couple of times you bring them out anyway. Yes. You need to you build need to, them. And, I mean, yeah. it's, apart from the personal hours that I put into seeking out these people and mm-hmm. developing a, an understanding of who's out there and what they're doing and all that sort of stuff, there's just the sheer... You know, the first time they come, they very rarely make money. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Because we pay everyone, obviously, a guarantee and the flights and the accommodation. It's really expensive. Even if it's just a baby like Ed Knight, it's expensive. expensive. That's right. That's right. But that's what makes the festival amazing, that you're not just, you know, not just Australian and New Zealand, Mm. that you have. It is international, which Mm. is wonderful. Um, and the Asian stuff's really growing a lot too, so that's been really interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. You've not been doing things in India? Or yes, we've been touring India, bringing a lot of Indian comedians great. over, and same going into Hong Kong and Singapore and Malaysia, and that's a really, a really rapidly growing part of our program as well too. Yeah, that's great. Um, there's, there are very solid connections. We yeah. have one of your uh, indigenous um, comics, Dilruk. Oh. Dilruk. Oh yes, yeah. no, he's um, from Sri Lanka. So sorry, <laughs> you're from Sri Lanka. He's great. Yeah, yeah. we love him. Yeah, yeah he's, he's been having a fine time. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's yeah, yeah. good. So what now then? What's the future? I mean, it, you know, I can feel the 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 worry about your daughter yeah. while you're going to see so many shows. It's hard, it's really and hard. you know. I know that you will do your best to to have and, time with her, but to try and manage it a bit more, especially when she goes into her VCE, you know, like her A levels and yeah. stuff. I feel like I've got to be around making sure yeah. things are okay. But and I've I've got an amazing team, mm-hmm. people like my associate directors, Gideon and Bridget and Claire, and mm-hmm. the three, and they sort of all the three of them work on different areas but all so like Gideon works a lot on all of the Asian stuff and all of those collaborations and um, he's constantly troubling off there and as well as that he runs Raw Comedy and then Bridget looks after all of the outdoor stuff um, Mm, which is a lot which is a lot and all of the family and young persons and overseas class clowns and um, deadly funny and that we have another person who delivers those programs but Bridget's in charge yeah. you know, overseas all that sort of stuff and then um, my colleague Claire 
Hammond, who works with me on all of the television stuff, she and all of the content, because everybody wants content. Yes. So just all of this, the stuff that we, the content that we create for online, as well as the TV programs and all of that, Claire looks after all of that. And so those three have also really solid sounding boards. So both Bridget and Claire have been here and seeing shows and they'll say to me, you really should see that or no, you don't need don't to see, see that. Yeah. <laughs> and, Which helps. and we all share all of that because otherwise we just couldn't get through yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before, you, before we wrap up, do you have any advice as oh. for a new director of a company? Like you've done it for, for you, so long. Katie. <laughs> yeah, for me, because I, I need to take the opportunity to ask us. The really tough you. things are that you've got to remember that you can't be everybody's best friend. And that's really, really hard, hard, especially when you're your age. Because when I was starting out at your age, you are their peer. Yeah. You are, because you are the same age. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to fall into the trap of being... They, you will make some friends who are seriously your best friends. Like yeah. Oregon, people like Rich Hall for me is a friend. Yeah. Um, and family connections and stuff now with our daughters and things. But, but you can't be... You just can't be. You've got to have friends elsewhere because if you, because it's a different power dynamic that you might not feel that, and they might not seem to feel that, but it's there. Yeah. And you've actually just got to think, well, okay. These are the people I work with. They can't be my friends anymore because sometimes you've got to make really hard decisions that are going to make them unhappy yeah. and you unhappy. Yeah. And I think once you've just dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Or sort of given that the okay, because it's I think in not dealing with that can just lead you into all kinds of problems that will lead to heartbreak and yeah <laughs> and professional yeah difficulties definitely. I, I think both Katie and I um, have that problem where we are a bit soft, although mm. I have the reputation of being really hard. Mm. Uh, but you're not inside. Mm. No. Yeah. And neither are you. No, no. I know, but a lot of people think I'm total. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. People are scared of me. I'm always shocked when I find out people are scared of me. Yeah, I know. I people know. are really scared of me too. But, but Katie has a very professional outward uh, appearance, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, she'll talk to me about... Mm-hmm. Um, how to deal with things. And yeah, you need people, you need sounding boards. Yeah, yeah. So Which your mother and, and, and yeah. others. And also these days I think in this industry or in any industry, you've got to be really careful and thorough with all of your policies about yeah. relationships with staff and yeah. with your staff and how people treat each other because in the um, in this era where yeah. yes. people... Um, where unacceptable behaviour is unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you need clear more than ever really it, yeah. clear processes in place so that you don't get and this, this is yeah. I'm not saying it's a new thing, but it's mm-hmm. a thing that over the last 10 years, you know, like mm-hmm. when we were first starting out, you know, none of these kind of things were in place. You no, know? no. And I've put up with shit. Yes. I mean, as no doubt you have. Yes. That... I mean, this is going back to my mum. Not, I've never caved to peer pressure. I've also never caved a, a few times. There were several instances where I think where men tried things, and I just was like, oh, mm-hmm. no. "I'm leaving now, thanks." See ya. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's a really, really important now to have, to have those definitely processes. Thank, and thankfully, we've got yeah. incredible staff who have been making sure that, that mm-hmm. those policies are in place. And we've, mm-hmm. but there's definitely more more to be done. Mm-hmm. Just so everyone knows what to do, who exactly. to talk to, when to do it. Yeah. Mm. Yes, there's a lot of um, 
fans and you know you get staff that mm. come so that you can meet the comics mm. you know mm. <laughs> it's and keep your, fr- your, your friend friends you yeah. really need keep them I've got a lot of really dear friends who in fact were comedy festival staff when I yeah, <laughs> way back yeah, then yeah of course <laughs> um, but who don't work with us but so they're people in the industry but mm. we have regular lunches and dinners where I can just go blah yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, you know. well um with all the hardships to come, it'll all be fine, yeah, won't it? Yeah, it's all going to be oh, good. You two are an inspiration. <laughs> oh, I don't you've know. Done, I think no, you are. you've done amazingly, and it's so great to see Katie. <laughs> Blossom. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take me a few years. But the great thing, Katie, is that you've not... I think it's really great that you didn't... You can edit this out if you want to. You didn't come straight into this job. Yeah. But you went... I think you went and had... Um, other experience in other workplaces yeah. and things and I came to the box office really, for Susan really, and I was terrible at it really, <laughs> I think it's really valuable because I think people who just go immediately get a job at their parents workplace yeah I think industry don't take you seriously because I yeah. think you only just got that job because exactly, of whatever exactly, um, yeah. so we've mentioned Mary Tobin's been great and another mm-hmm. Australian producer yeah. her girls are fantastic yeah. and it's a similar thing where yeah. they've worked with Mary a lot obviously mm-hmm. but they've also done a lot of other things their own and stuff, yeah. Yeah, their they own all stuff work and, for and us. gained a lot of skills elsewhere and so all the industry really respect them and rate them and they're really Definitely. good and then they go back to work with yeah. Mary and it's I think it's really great. Yeah. They've done really, really well. Today. Yeah, they have. <laughs> Thank you, Thank so, you so much, Susan. <laughs> we we <laughs> did together there. Thank you so much and uh, good me. luck with everything. Have a wonderful You do. Week. And I can't wait to go to Australia oh, next yes. year. We both I haven't, next year. I haven't yeah. been for two years. Yeah. Yeah. No. I haven't been for two years. No. Neither have I. I've missed it. No, have you not? not, Katie? Both missed See, two there, years. There yeah. I am. I'm being very selfish. Yeah. just thinking about me. Yes, you go and I'll go. You've just got to work, work out the regis- fringe registration. The timings, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right, exactly. Mm. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the fringe.